0: Thanks for tuning into the Live It podcast. My name is Jason Walton, the host. I'm really excited about the content that we're gonna be sharing because it's gonna be extremely helpful to entrepreneurs and to other high achievers. As entrepreneurs, we can choose to engage in producing a good or a service that makes the world a better place, enriching the lives of everyone associated with it. Let's not settle for anything less. In addition, I'm gonna regularly challenge each of us to increase our awareness of the needs of people around us and then to boldly take action. We're gonna make the world a better place, not just through the goods and services we produce and not just through the jobs we create, but by flooding the world with love and kindness. The information my guests are gonna be sharing on the podcast is gonna be based on our life experiences. It's not meant to be warranted as absolute truth. We don't stand behind the accuracy of the things that we're sharing, sorry. Feel free to fact check and do some homework on your own. It'll go a long way and it'll be a very useful exercise. Thanks for being a part of the Live it community. I hope you embrace and enjoy the journey. I'm really excited about today's guest. We have with us today, Ashley Walton. And Ashley has uh, over 15 years of experience in content and media management. Ashley's also taught uh, several university courses on the subject. Uh, She was named in 2018 by Utah Business Magazine as one of 30 women to watch. And most recently, with many jobs that she's had, she has served as a vice president uh, of media and content at Clearlink where she supervised over 100 different employees. So thank you very much for joining us, Ashley. And is there anything that I left out?
1: Well, I'm your sister, which I'm pretty proud of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's nice of you to say yes. Yes, I didn't know if you wanted to, if if you were gonna own that or not, but Ashley and I are brother and sister. And uh, I still stand to that you are one of the best creatives that I know. And as a disclaimer, some of the best stuff with the companies that I own, you actually wrote.
1: Oh, thank you. And That's de- kind of you to say.
0: And developed, and I'm also hopeful that you'll continue to do so in the future.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Uh, what did I leave out?
1: I think that pretty well covers it.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so one of the things that you're doing right now that I think is interesting is on this podcast, we focus on uh, three things. One of them is principle-centered living. One of them is giving uh, sound business fundamentals. And uh, one of them is on, on giving back. And she's Um, flooding the world with love and kindness. But in in sharing sound business fundamentals, we have both entrepreneurs that will come on and share their secrets of success. But then we'll have what I call world-class experts in a particular field that will share information that entrepreneurs and other business professionals really need to know. You actually fit into two of those groups because you're undoubtedly a world expert in media and content management. But you also just started a company uh, called Content Maven. So now welcome to entrepreneurship. And what made you want to become an entrepreneur?
1: Thank you, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I love your podcast and the resources that you provide on starting a company in entrepreneurship are really valuable, so thank you. You're welcome. As well as just being my mentor.
0: <laughs> You're very kind.
1: So I've helped build over a dozen brands from the ground up. So that includes defining their brand positioning and their content strategy. And I've been able to usher those brands from zero dollars in revenue to eight figures in annual revenue from content.
0: If I got you right, you started over a dozen different brands, not started, but you as you didn't own the brands, they were clients. Correct. Correct. And you help develop their content and media strategy and execute that strategy. Correct. Okay, so you know what you're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so it's pretty unique to have done that again and again, right? And so I have this really unique skill set where because I've built so many brands from scratch, I now have my proprietary approach, my framework for what I know works. To build really powerful content brands and to help businesses grow.
0: That's that's fantastic. So you feel that you have the knowledge and information to continue doing it. It wasn't just a fluke. Oh, I
1: know, I know I do.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> we are going to talk afterwards then because because <laughs> I know a few brands that we could do.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I mean, as I've talked to other companies that are. Developing their content strategies and they're in various stages of growth. One of the things I realized is, um, you know, I had the opportunity to usher these brands through so many inflection points of growth. And for a lot of in house content strategists, they have maybe scaled a content strategy once or twice or three times. It's different to have done that so many times that. I understand the inflection points for business maturity and how the content strategy needs to evolve to meet the needs of the business.
0: I'm going to try to translate that. And, and this is, I'm asking this as a question. When you say you understand the inflection points of business maturity, I'm guessing that what you mean is you're saying business, it's, it's different based on how long a business has been around and also how large the business is on how you go about Your content strategy. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly right. So, the way that you approach your content strategy at year one is very different from how you approach it at year three, year five, year 10. And so, a lot of businesses are trying to figure that out for the first time. And they're dealing with these problems of scale for the first time. And there's a lot of trial and error in that. But because I've done it so many times, I'm able to avoid some of that trial and error.
0: What I'm hearing you say is that your experience in content management, because you've not done it once or twice, but 10 or 12 times is instrumental in giving you the confidence to knowing that you could replicate it and do it again and again.
1: Exactly, it's confidence, but it's also that I've developed these proprietary frameworks and approaches that I know are replicable. And I've been able to take these to numerous companies in various growth stages and they perform just as well. Um, One example is that I've come up with some proprietary content templates that are how to structure various pieces of content in order for it to incorporate SEO UX, and customer psychology best practices. And on average, those increase conversion 30% per page, and in some cases, more like 300%. So they are definitely tried and true approaches.
0: And so that's something that that made you think, hey, I should start my own business. And thus, Content Maven was born. I've heard you say that you have implemented successfully content management strategies many times. Is there any truth to the statement that if I knew how to implement a content strategy 10 years ago, that it may not be relevant today?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, content marketing is always evolving and always changing, and that's for a number of reasons. I mean, one, um, user behavior changes, and so you have to keep up on those trends. Um, Market trends and industry trends change, so it's important to keep abreast of those. And we're all at the mercy of the Google gods, the powers that be and search engines, the way that they are adapting to user intent and how content ranks changes constantly. So it's really important to keep up to date on that news.
0: Yeah, that seems to be tied also into technology, right? I mean, some of, some, maybe some of Google's rankings may change because different types of iPhones or devices are created or there's different types of software algorithms that become available and as a result that, that 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 changes your job
1: that's absolutely true in fact now for a lot of brands the the bulk of the traffic for their websites is on mobile that's a huge change from you know 15 years ago when most traffic was from desktop and it changes the way that you structure your content because the way that you want to chunk out content for mobile, and the way that you have your CTAs placed to be easy to push with your finger on your phone, is different than desktop.
0: And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing also when the new technology like TikTok, or the new technology of Facebook, which isn't new anymore, but as new as new apps or I'll call them technologies come to existence, that that I'm sure very directly plays into your job as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think one of the big jobs of a content marketer is being able to see all the available modes and channels that can be content delivery, right? And so that's always evolving, that's always changing. And you have to be able to consider all of the different modes like TikTok or other social media content or on-site content or email, right? looking at all the available modes and choosing what is the best one that resonates with your audience so that your content shows up in the right place at the right time to help people.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is it's like a pair of eyeglasses that uh, your prescription and my prescription may not be the same. And it's, it's the same maybe for your clients that just because one client is focusing on this type of content on TikTok or some other medium you're saying that it's not a one size fits all fits all for your clients is that right
1: correct it really the content mix is usually what i call it the the channels that you're going to use for your content marketing really depend on the industry you're in the type of business you have and your audience you bring up tiktok as an example which that's been in the news a lot lately. We're realizing as business owners that there's huge opportunity with a highly engaged audience. Having said that, there's certain brands or or audiences that it wouldn't make sense to go into TikTok like um, senior care, right? The audience on TikTok skews young. It just wouldn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, but there's so many technologies out there that are available with, um, and maybe you can help me with some of them, but uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, direct direct uh, mail campaigns, also direct mail campaigns where you're sending audio files or video files or commercials or, and I'm guessing there's some mix of that that, that goes into your secret formula.
1: hmm There's also display, there's paid media, there's sponsored content. There's email. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of different available means for content creation and distribution.
0: And as we're talking about the the means for content available distribution, there's also not just, we can talk about email as a means, but there's a lot of different things that you could do within an email, right? And I'm, I'm guessing what you're doing in there probably makes a big, a, a really big difference. It's not enough just to say I'm sending emails.
1: Correct. Yeah, for some companies, they take more of a newsletter approach, and that works really well for them. Um, The approach that you would take with email for a B2B type business is very different. You're going to be sharing things like instructables and downloadables that are more proprietary information to kind of hook your leads. It's really dependent on the audience.
0: I want to go back to Content Maven for a minute, if that's okay with you. So offline, you have let me know that there's some pretty big household name companies that are reaching out to Ashley Walton through Content Maven and saying, we need your expertise. Why would these big name brands, when they can go to anyone in the world, why are they contacting you and asking for your help?
1: Because I have a proven track record of being able to bring brands to new heights of success using content. And... Because I've had the experience of being a vice president of content, that's also allowed me to be able to connect the dots between the tactical work to business outcomes, to ROI. And a lot of content creators or creatives are not great at that. (laughs) So that is a pretty big strength.
0: Yeah, the, the experience that I've had working with with uh, content, I've noticed that that's one of the main distinctions is some people understand that at the end of the day, you're driving a ROI, return on investment, and uh, not it's not just enough to have great content or things that are interesting, but it has to make sense from a business standpoint. It sounds like that your experience has is heavily driven by making sure that it makes good business sense.
1: Everything I do with Content Maven is based on driving business results, business outcomes, ROI, business growth, all of it.
0: What is your vision or the mission of Content Maven?
1: My mission with Content Maven is to make the world a better place one piece of content at a time. And I believe in the power of content to help people. I believe that through content, we can genuinely connect as humans, we can learn new things, and we can rally people to action. And I know that content has the potential to change people's lives for, for the better. And that gives me purpose.
0: Speaking of what gives you purpose, what are uh, some of the things that drive you or some of your other values or challenges?
1: Yeah, um, one of my values is conquer challenges, which for me is really rooted in growth mindset and grit. It's this idea that when I get knocked down, I'm gonna get back up again. And every day I'm going to strive to be a better version of myself because I think that's what life is all about.
0: What are some of your other values?
1: One of my values is clarity is kindness.
0: I love it. I love it, please explain.
1: Yeah. So. People often think they're being clear, but communication is hard and we as humans are flawed. And often when we struggle to be clear the most, it's when clarity is most paramount. It's times when we are speaking truth to power or we are giving constructive feedback that is difficult and makes us uncomfortable. And so my value clarity as kindness is really rooted in i'm going to be honest and tell you what i think in the spirit of knowing that we are all trying to become better versions of ourselves and i love that john stuart mill actually says it's our moral obligation to give constructive candid feedback to one another
0: and the more clear that feedback the more we're being kind to the person with whom we're communicating.
1: Exactly. Being unclear, um, being what Kim Scott calls ruinously empathetic is one of the most unkind things you can do.
0: It sounds like when you say clarity is kindness, you're 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 mainly meaning that from a supervisory role of when you're supervising people. Is there any other is that the context you mean? Are there other contexts?
1: That's the context in which I talk about it the most, but I believe that in every aspect of my life. I I believe in standing within my honesty and integrity, and that's not necessarily with direct reports only, that's with family, that's with friends, that's with anyone I come into contact with.
0: Yeah, it's just one of your core values for you personally that is now is with Content Maven, is that clarity is a form of kindness, and I, uh, I, I mean, I believe that that's the case also with at least within my business, and I think it's good advice for entrepreneurs to realize that that clarity and kindness goes in every direction, and that's with employee interactions. But I also think clarity is kindness with your customers. I think clarity is kindness with job descriptions. I think clarity is kindness with performance agreements. That's the actual contract. The more clear it is with the parameters of those contracts and the consequences, good and bad the more kind you're being because people can know how to behave and then know what the expectations are. But from a marketing perspective, I also think clarity is kindness when we start saying, this is who we are as a company and this is why you should use our good or service. And it's the truth. And I I have worked with marketing professionals in the past that when we hired them, they said, gosh, what we really wanna market is we wanna market your company being this way and say that you're this because it's available in the marketplace. And I would say, but that's not me. That's not my market position. That's not who I am. This is who we are. Can we figure out how to, how to market who we actually are? Well, yeah, but that looks pretty competitive. We'd rather you were something else. I think there's a moral obligation, but I also think in the long term, there's a business obligation not to go market yourself and things that you just know aren't true. So in the beginning, I think you can fool employees or fool consumers into thinking whatever it is you want to tell them. I think in the long run, your customers are going to know really who you are and whether what you're marketing is is, is true. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I, clarity is kindness is a recipe for happiness. I believe you can't be happy being duplicitous and you are going to have peace in every aspect of your life if you're able to stand within your integrity and be honest and be clear.
0: Something I've noticed in my 25 years of being an entrepreneur is it's hard to know our blind spots is I can't tell you how often I've been in meetings or with people who self-actualize that they seek and understand diverse perspectives, but that's not the way it looks to me. It looks very closed-minded and not actually interested in learning different diverse perspectives. Is, have you seen or that type of experience in society?
1: Yeah, I mean, one, I think that's an instance where clarity is kindness comes in handy because you can call that out as you see it. And I think we should call those things out as we see it. And I think when people have a growth mindset, they're open to hearing that feedback.
0: Well, I, I, what I was saying is I've, I have noticed that with different people and organizations. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, and sometimes yeah. It, it might be an educational institution. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be a business yeah. Sometimes it might be an executive team. Yeah. Sometimes it might be a religion. And yeah. and comments are made that the person making the comments to them it's being extremely diverse and seeking for diverse but but I've noticed it comes across as actually pretty offensive, closed-minded and offensive and the opposite of diverse, but it's not what was intended by the person speaking. And when that happens it always makes me turn and look at myself. Instead of casting stones at the person saying it and saying, oh my goodness, what are the times when I am behaving in this closed-minded way? And I, and I just think that that's an important part of this is, is anytime we feel like we want to cast a stone at somebody for thinking they're being closed-minded, not diverse, maybe we need to take a good hard inward look at our, and try to maybe ask for some clarity as kindness from other people to help us see our blind spots.
1: Yes, and I feel you touched on two other really important principles for leaders or people you work with, or even friends, and that is humility, one, and second, self-awareness. If we all have the humility that we are constantly working to be more self-aware, then we're gonna have a good time.
0: Ashley, when it comes to content and marketing, What are some common mistakes that entrepreneurs make?
1: One common mistake that entrepreneurs make is failing to invest in an in-house content team. And this is important for a couple of reasons. In SEO and in UX, there's this term called EAT, E-A-T, Expertise, Authority, and Trust. And this is really shorthand for explaining how the Google gods, the powers that be in search engines and customers alike, um, take into account the credibility of your websites and your content. And one key way that both users and Google looks for credibility in your content is having unique expert content with people who have bios on your website that have specific um, subject matter expertise, right? And so that is really hard to do with freelance content creation. And so you want to treat your content like a product, You want to build a moat around it. You want to create content that is really difficult to replicate, that has a high barrier of entry for your competitors. That's hard to do when you are hiring freelancers that are working on multiple websites. It's best to build and invest in some in-house expertise.
0: Well, that's powerful stuff. So it actually sounds hard, it sounds time consuming, and it sounds like you need some experts th- that know what they're doing. Is that something Content Maven can help with? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but what if Content Maven is a freelancer? How would Content Maven help to provide a solution? Would 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 Content Maven be working with in house? Uh, is that in training them? Is that what they're doing? Or?
1: Exactly right. So I can help. Uh, and, and I don't mean to say you should never use f- freelance content. Freelance content is also very valuable, but it's most powerful when it's used in tandem with some in-house content marketers. So both together, that's that's a really good recipe for valuable content and for scale. Um, the other big mistake that I see business owners make with their content marketing so let's say you're bought in on content marketing. You have an in-house content marketing team. You even have a few pieces of content that are really driving impactful revenue. Great. The biggest mistake I see as is that then leaders are scared to touch that content. They have the mentality of, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And oh, there's no faster way to kill your content revenue. <laughs> Because those are your biggest opportunities to continue to optimize and to drive additional revenue. The other thing that happens when you are scared to update your content, so again, Google, the search engine powers that be, and customers, they care about your content being up to date. It's a signal for trustworthiness. So when you're not updating your key content pieces regularly you're going to lose rank within google which means losing search volume and you are going to lose customers who don't trust the content because it's out of date
0: do you have any advice on how entrepreneurs should prioritize their content development
1: Yes, good content marketers can see all of the available channels and modes for content creation and delivery and choose the best possible ones for their audience, for their business needs, and for the maturity of their business and their website. And so my biggest piece of advice would be try to avoid chasing the new shiny object which as content marketers and marketers in general sometimes we love to do right there's a lot of buzz about TikTok recently and all of the opportunities with that audience development for the right business that TikTok might be the right place to invest for other businesses that might have a more mature audience say um, TikTok's probably not the best way to invest your time for a return on investment. So it's always looking at where are you creating content that's going to meet your audience and help them at the right place and at the right time.
0: I can't take notes fast enough. So you're sharing just some powerful things. And is there any other pieces of advice that you'd, uh, that you'd give entrepreneurs?
1: One of the other biggest pieces of advice I'd give to entrepreneurs is don't delay hiring content-specific people. It takes time to rank in Google results. It takes time to see return on investment from SEO-driven content. And the sooner you do it, the sooner it's gonna pay dividends.
0: That's great stuff. Uh, Ashley, thank you for joining us. And not only is it fun to be here with such a world-class expert on content and content management, but it's really fun to be here with my sister, who I love and respect very much. I've, I've, I know how talented you are. It's great to be able to sit here with you and, and show you off to the world. And so uh, thanks for joining today.
1: I love you, Jason. Thanks I'll- for all of the help you've given me and support in starting my business.
0: I love you too. Ashley Walton, making the world a better place, one piece of content at a time. Thank you.
1: Thanks.